Sharon, what sustains you? Thank you for asking, Serge. Uh, you know, at the deepest level, the I think the delight of just being alive moment to moment. Um, I can look out my window and I can see the sky and trees and the wind. And just knowing I'm part of that is um, actually a little, almost a little overwhelming. Uh, and um, it deeply nourishes me. Uh, the trees in front of me. And it's so amazing as you watch the movement of the wind, how everything is so alive. And then I continue to get a sense of an inner aliveness from simply just being alive in this environment. Yeah, yeah. So, the, so you're talking about that joy of being alive. I think so. I think yeah. that uh, I hadn't put the word joy onto it. But as you mentioned the joy, and I, I see your face and the joy, um, yeah, yeah, it, it feels a little shy almost to call it joy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe can, we're staying at that place that's at the edge of the enjoyment of it and a little bit of shyness about um, maybe being a little careful about how it's called. Yeah. Uh, and when you say the word careful, I'm thinking of the fullness mm. of care. And, um, and how with the attention to aliveness, that fullness comes. Uh, when I take my attention away and go into pondering and obsessing and figuring it out and solutions, then somehow that fullness of care seems to be depleted. Mm. And, um, so how to keep coming back and forth to yeah. um, this fullness yeah, yeah. So, so that sense of fullness, and so the word carefulness brings you to fullness, and and there is mindfulness in that. That sense of a making a very conscious decision to where you're choosing, where your mind goes. Yeah, and where my mind and body go together. Yeah. When my mind seems to go off on its own and not take my body with it, it seems to get in trouble. It take it depletes me. And, but if I can get my mind and body kind of collaborating and cooperating, then um, and the, the word mindfulness is um, describes that for me. So yeah. bringing that together, then. Then the um, then this participation in life uh, has a freshness, a wholeness, a, an authenticity, moment to moment that's different from one moment to the next. Yeah, yeah. And so I really liked uh, your phrase, uh, 
Um, there's something about when my mind goes on its own and forgets my body or something like that. And so there's something very, very visual in it um, that had uh, almost like um, uh, these um, silent movie comedies, very physical, you know, and I could imagine the mind going away on its own and the body kind of feeling side, you know. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun to do a skit like that? My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see it would be fascinating how, how, you know, how we do get, particularly the culture we live in, um, yeah. we do get caught in those dynamics without even knowing it often. Mm-hmm. Kind of catching ourselves in it. And then, okay, here we go. Let's make friends again with the body and the mind and get back on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder about the word mindfulness sometimes that uh, if we're just mindful without the body's collaboration, where that takes us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, it, you... or is it possible actually to be mindful without the body's collaboration? Right, right. And does the word mindfulness uh, remind us of that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we started this conversation, you're talking about that great satisfaction, that joy maybe that you have uh, being, you know, noticing how beautiful the day is or the environment. And, uh, um, and so that noticing is um, something that comes from the senses. It's not just uh, something where you go into ideas, into abstraction. Right. And I, I think even before the senses, it comes into kind of a decision of perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, what in this moment do I want to open and perceive so that, um, so that we make choices all the time, conscious and unconscious, about what we perceive. And if we do choose to perceive sensation then that's the starting point for me of, of mindfulness. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's not something where you're saying that the default mode is to, is to be aware of sensations, but it really is a conscious decision based on a lifetime of experience. Um, what is it that you want to put your attention to? And, yeah. And, and, and perhaps in other cultures or other times, um, when I'm not interacting within the culture, like when I'm on a sailboat or I'm hiking, I I don't have to work so hard. Mm-hmm. Making that choice is right there. It's easy to sustain that. But um, living in our culture where it feels like there's just a, a, a flood of fear going on that keeps people... Uh, keeps people in a hyper-aroused state or in a real hypo-aroused state that um, that these decisions need to be made over and over. Yeah. I feel like I can get, I can get kind of co-opted, caught sometimes in, um, in the fears that are generated within our culture. Yeah. So, so the contrast between, say, an activity like hiking or being on a sailboat 
where uh, presumably it's not just that, you know, you have to do things, but you also feel safe doing them or, you know, there's a sense of um, uh, competence in doing them so that you're supported by that. And in contrast, you know, those moments where um, you and all of us are caught into some kind of a, an atmosphere of fear. Yes, and I, and you you really organized that beautifully, the way you said that. Um, and I think that the work you do um, around trauma, the work I do around trauma, is uh, a choice to meet that fear and not to just avoid it, but mm-hmm. to and to bring uh, bring attention to it in the same way that you'd bring attention to a fast-moving storm or uh, to a sudden shift in um, in the wind. Uh, mm-hmm. That you you come into um, into an awareness that ah, here's fear, here's fear, in, in one of its many disguises. Yeah, and so so when you're saying that, um, something comes up for me that I'm going to, you know, take my time Please. articulating because it's a it's a mix of uh, different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think what one thing that strikes me there is when you use the comparison with a storm. Mm-hmm. And it brings me to uh, say when we read about the experience of people, tribes, or uh, civilizations that move much closer to nature, where people are trackers, where they notice the signs, and um, uh, and uh, and so the um, what's happening in the air, what's happening in the sky, the you know the the trees, the branches you know, the, what's on the ground, all of that speaks to them. Um, That's right. Their perception yeah. is open to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there's that part. Right. And then the other part that I hear in what you say is something about how, um, you know, we don't really have that in our life. We might kind of push a little bit to have a little more of it in order to be close to nature. But in some ways, you know, say, for instance, in the work we do, uh, that facing the trauma and facing the ways in which the challenges of modern life manifest um, actually brings us to a state that might be in some way similar to the state of these people who are close to nature are with nature. And we kind of do that with human nature. Interesting. Nice. Nice. And um, it, it brings back, I spent a number of years working with indigenous people in Canada. Uh, and I, I remember the main thing I think I learned in terms of adversity is, first of all, we need to prepare for it so it's not foreign to us. So it is mm-hmm. our nature. So that we don't consider it uh, an aberration, but it's part of the whole. And so that preparing and becoming strong for it. Um, The word resilience is used a lot, but I keep thinking of building this inner strength to meet it in its intensity because it's simply just more intense. And then if we can be present to the intensity, 
that intensity seems to start to have a calmness about it. A slower, it slows it down. So how do we how do we meet that in a way that we can be there and experience the intensity of, of this nature and yet hold a calm, not get caught in fear because of intensity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'm hearing that sense of um, uh, having a roadmap of life where the challenges, the dangers are part of that roadmap. Yes. And, and particularly as we're facing a roadmap of the future that we don't know how to traverse. We don't know what's coming. And, um, and perhaps the ancients, the people that have lived close to the land, to the water and the wind and, and the sun, those people, their wisdom can help us find a, a new path for humanity as we, uh, as we face the new challenges of, of our climate, of our glo- globe. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's something about um, that um, the challenges of the past and the people who had who gained wisdom in in facing them um, are relevant, even though the circumstances are different, because there is something in the facing and in the attitude of facing and in the attitude of the preparation that comes from the facing um, that can actually be transmitted and that we can make use of. Yes. Thank you. And I love the way you're using the word facing. And it, uh, yes, yes. And then the smile, your face. I I was, I was consciously avoiding the word confronting, you know, Uh to think that the confrontation has yeah. a connotation of enemies and, right. and facing is being present. Yes, yes. And, and when we face each other, yeah. uh, then, uh, then we don't know what's going to happen. That there, there's, there's a mystery in deeply facing each other. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to uh, be generated, what's going to synchronize between us that's never existed before. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that um, that facing um, is actually inherently something where um, there is some unpredictability. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes you... I uh, hear the word subjectivity and then intersubjectivity and and like your own experience of facing of facing adversity or facing intensity and my experience of facing that adversity intensity my subjective and your subjective comes together mm-hmm. and when it can align and kind of synchronize then some kind of a movement happens, something that takes us using your your term, the path, um, mm-hmm. takes us together on a path, something something to experiment, explore, create mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so 
you're talking about um, um, when we're facing each other, yeah. you come with your subjectivity, your yeah. past experiences, the impact they've had on you. I come with my subjectivity and the impact my experiences have had on me. And in some way in the meeting point, there's something in which there's a possibility of um, ha having um, a sense of understanding or resonating with some parts of experience. Yes. And, and it's precisely in that facing that that resonating and that attuning happens that opens possibilities that haven't existed before. Yeah. So yeah. we're creating a new path. Mm -hmm. Connectivity of facing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're creating a new path with the connectivity of facing. Yeah. 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 So can we stay with that a little bit more, you know, so yeah. that, it's yeah. Exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Creating a new path with the connectivity of facing. Yeah. So... You, the, the thing that comes for me when I stay with it is related to the word connectivity. Mm -hmm. um, and so connectivity brings the idea of, you know, for connectivity, there has to be some kind of at least some commonality, some, uh, um, you know, something that, uh, permits that connection so it's kind of um, by definition um, having the intentionality to find what is in common what binds experiences so uh, you know and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of articulating as I you know as I speak I'm not really Mm -hmm. you know, but what comes up, you know, the more I speak is a sense of something similar to what you were saying before about uh, making a shift, you know, where you want to put your attention on. And so this is, you know, evokes for me the sense of making the shift towards what might be connecting us as opposed to what might be separating or what might be. Yeah. And, and then entering into that, connecting uh that that's the path isn't it mm -hmm. that's, uh, um that's uh, uh that's where the energy lies mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and as you bring up the connectivity what what kind of comes to me is this vast interconnectivity of um of the universe mm -hmm. on just our planet and yeah how that this dynamic is is the very source and essence of aliveness kind of going back to um and and without connectivity we're so isolated and alone and and you know our work around trauma to me is the loss of that connectivity mm -hmm. the breach of the natural connectivity that exists particularly between humans as we face each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that essentially that's the, the breach of trust 
that we are evolved to have that sense of trust and connection. That's right. And so when something breaches that trust, is the trauma that then is interfering with the ability to connect. And that breach, that breach of trust, and you so beautifully say that that breach of trust then becomes um, the obstacle that's right there keeping us from even the most subtle connections, like with the wind or the light or the sun or the air, and besides just the human disconnection. Mm-hmm. So that the loss of aliveness is ever present with that loss of trust. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're putting together the concept, you know, the experience of aliveness, mm-hmm. of connection, right. and of trust, right. and not just among in between human beings, but between human beings and our environment. Yeah, other living species. Um, Mm -hmm. I I spent the summer, uh, at least 10, 12 days of it, up in a a mountaintop in British Columbia uh, at at an amazing retreat center in Nelson. And our topic was spiritual trauma and healing, restoring the soul. And it was kind of amazing to have a small group of people who really wanted to reconnect not only with themselves, but with the rhythm of that mountain, with the lake that was below it, with the trees, with the, the uh, insects, uh, that this, this interconnectivity uh, became the healing, mm-hmm. um, this breach of trust, wherever it was, what it, however it happened. The healing was, was simply in the reconnection yeah yeah so the healing is in the reconnection and uh, as we put our attention to shift you know our mind toward connecting um, we can experience those areas where in some way the trauma of breach of trust prevents us from doing it fully or prevents us from doing it at all or, yeah, opening to it, uh, because it's always right there. Yeah. And there's simply, do I drop down into that place, that state, that my organism, my cellular structure can start to open fully to the environment? Yeah, yeah. So that image is, a, it's not the image of striving. It's not the image of effort. It's actually a natural state in which we open to. That's right. That's, that's how I get it. And that's where so much of the body-centered work seems to kind of get reduced to a technique or a striving. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, um, the healing is not in the striving. Maybe it's in the striving to create the safety that mm-hmm. allows the body to, uh, to connect, to reconnect. Yeah. It allows the heart and the face um uh to come back into that that like you used the word attunement or resonance and alignment and and synchrony these 
dynamics of connectivity so that so that we have to create that safety to drop down into it yeah 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 so so that there's a clarity about what the work is and uh, it's it's not that pushing but that sense of allowing and and that the obstacle right. you know that thing of response to the phrase being in your own way is actually fear yeah. lack of safety yeah that prevents us from allowing because under fear we kind of tense up in order to protect ourselves so there's a very very simple image of it takes safety to have that allowing that's right that's to find right the connection if we tense up that that contraction of tensing up and we maintain it we can get kind of a mastery in the moment yeah the ultimate healing of every cell is to restore that that contraction expansion rhythm and so that there is a time to prepare to to really drop down and open and connect and then there's a time to breathe in and and to have the contraction so this this rhythm restoring this rhythm yeah that us to connect particularly on the facial level yeah yeah and so so what you're emphasizing here is that when we're talking about that uh dropping the tension is not to get to a state where the tension will be dropped and uh, a flat line but is actually that you know what is important is that rhythm yeah. uh, that expansion contraction that's right. And th that's what I, I like to think of as our, our level of uh, optimal arousal. Mm -hmm. uh, how much uh, can I experience the contraction around me, the hyperarousal around me? Or how much can I experience the hypo, that flatness, and still stay in this rhythm of connection? Yeah. Yeah. As porridges might call it, the ventral vagal, the facing, yeah. uh, connected yeah. uh, on a cellular alive level. Yeah, yeah. So we're not trying to find to to get a narrow range of experience, a narrow range of our nervous system activation, but we're actually, you know, increasing our ability to go into a very high or very low part of the range and that once we get to one we're not stuck there but there's actually that possibility of actually flowing um yeah and and you've said it so beautifully i wonder serge if you have a word for it i like the word resilience but there's a bigger word that i haven't found yet yeah i know i love i actually i love that sense that you're you're questioning you know the it would be great to find a perfect word, but in some way, uh, very, very close second best to me is noticing how the word is inadequate to capture the whole experience and, and enlist people into saying, you know, it's kind of like this, but there's something missing to it. And so yeah. you have to supply your own meaning for it or your own, you know, whatever resonates for you in order to capture that experience. Ah, thank you. You're right. 
So um, we each, because of our subjective experience, then can find the word that's best for us in the moment. Yeah, yeah. Combination of words. Yeah, or a combination of knowing that there's something about resilience that there, there's something about healing, there's yeah. something about flowing. You know, there's a combination of all these words. Uh, there's also, I mean, maybe the closest word that would come to it is when you used aliveness. But of course, aliveness does not just capture that image for people, so they might not see that experience. But it certainly has a lot of that, that experience of what it is to be alive and to be able to go through this as opposed to being just uh, in one, uh, one small portion of experience. Right. And, and to go back to our earlier, how to, how to meet and face yeah. other dynamics while we're maintaining our own internal rhythm. Uh, an optimal arousal of aliveness. Yeah, yeah. We don't go too far or too low, and 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 somehow damage our own moment-to-moment cellular activity. I I've gotten really intrigued by cells lately. Mm-hmm, how, mm-hmm. how the activity of the cell and its relationship with the other cells around it. It's kind of a microcosm of our of our humanity, our interconnection with each other. And, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so essentially that there is, um, there is um, a general pattern of how um, living things um, live, and they live in interaction. And yeah. so the cell is a very basic form of that interaction. It is a cell. And of course, it is very interconnected, and so this is what happens. And that's a yeah. And 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 then you, if you're kind of fascinated by the cell, uh, the uh, mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was talking to Alan Shore, and I said, Alan, where is this trauma work going? Where where is where, what do we look toward? And he said the word mitochondria. And I got really intrigued by mitochondria, and I just so you want to say more about that? Well, you know, I'm so intrigued that mitochondria has its own DNA, mm-hmm. and that there are literally um, millions of mitochondria in the cells of our body. And within just a few moments of feeling disconnected or threatened, the mitochondria stops. Uh, their activity of uh, bringing aliveness. And, and so when the mitochondria then starts to dim, I think of them as kind of bright lights of aliveness in us. And as it starts to dim, then our whole organism begins to dim. Mm. And, what is it? Uh, and then the, the whole uh, uh, illness, uh, chronic disease uh, seems to be tied in. A lot of the research is showing. So, how do we as human beings um, sustain and um, nurse our mitochondria so that this cellular activity, this interconnectedness can happen? And, and I know so little about it. That's where... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But so at the same time, uh, is that sense of, um, you know, you said when the uh, brightness dims in the mitochondria, uh, yeah. it's also when our brightness dims. Yeah. 
Yes. And so, um, so the experience of um, being less alive or feeling more sick um, is the experience of the mitochondria dimming. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And 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 the mitochondria, um, uh, according to uh, Antonio Damasio, has a, a different bacterial kind of origin than other parts of the body. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's only passed down uh, through the mother uh, genetically. Um, lots of mystery. There's this place of mystery deep in this center of aliveness. Mm-hmm. That, that to wonder and to have curiosity uh, seems to brighten the mitochondria. I don't know. Yeah. And so what I'm also noticing uh-huh. is that, uh, you know, there is uh, for you a sense of very deep curiosity about this mystery. Yes. And that deep curiosity and the sense of the mystery there uh, it really seems to brighten you up. Yeah, it's like um, I keep pondering the word wonderful, mm-hmm. you know, that the more you get entranced with the essence of life and wonder about it, um, the fullness comes. Again, careful, you know, the fullness, the wonder, the full of wonder, um, and here's the, here's the joy of life, going back to our beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, the wonder. Yeah. So, so, curiosity, wonder, yeah. joy, fullness. Yeah, and it can be so intentional. So, so that if I experience, let's say, some kind of a breach of trust, and instead of blaming the other. Mm-hmm. I start to wonder. I'm wondering what their experience is. That leaves such a different space for um, opening, reopening a connection than the blame or the uh, assertion of of, um, of some kind of intention that the other might have had. Yeah, yeah. But so, so um, I see how. Uh, wonder is very different from worry because worry is something that's kind of narrowing, you know, and uh, wonder is a sense of opening. A sense of opening. Yeah, it could be this. And, And then ultimately there is this mystery that we can never wonder enough about. Mm hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So there is this sense of mystery that you can never wonder enough about. Yeah. 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 Does this feel like a good place to end or do you want to you know, just just check if you have something more you want to say? You know, I'm good with this. Um, anything you'd like to say? I'm wondering. I, yeah. I, I like that concept of, um, of um, ending on that note of wonder, um, because it's the opposite of an ending. Um, it's that sense of opening up. It's uh, It kind of ties back to what you were talking about in the beginning, 
Uh-huh. So there's also that symmetrical quality, but that's also that um, it then kind of, um, you know, opens things up. And so, you know, it's, um, it's not an ending, but it's something else that begins. That's right. Well, what a lovely way to express it. Thank you. So that we stay connected in the wonder. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I really like that note that, um, that uh, you know, the wonder is a way to stay connected. Staying connected in wonder is a nice, uh, nice yeah. phrase to, to, to share. Yeah. Wondering together. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. This is part of the Active Pause podcast. To see more and subscribe to the newsletter, go to activepause.com.